0: Well, praise God. This morning, I want to minister you, to you guys on putting on the new self. And I've subtitled it, It Doesn't Happen by Accident. You know, I think so many times we get this impression that when we get saved, a lightning bolt's going to come out of, he- out of heaven, strike us in the butt, and everything will be perfect from then on out. We're never going to do a bad thing. We're never going to, to do anything wrong. And the truth is that when you get saved, you are made completely brand new. That heart of stone that you had inside of you is removed and is replaced with a heart of flesh. And we're made free from the bondage of sin and death. And we are completely victorious in Jesus Christ. And this is true. But the question is, if this is true, if that's true, then why is it that so many Christians walk around and look so much like the rest of the world? You see, when we get saved, we can't continue on doing the same things that we used to do and expect God to come down and physically stop us from doing those things, doing the wrong things. Sometimes I think it would be way easier if that's what happened. But there would be no growth if that was the case. If you were physically impaired from doing anything but what God wanted you to do, there would be no free will, there would be no growth. He would have no relationship with us because we would be forced to do everything. But the truth is that he's called us to live holy lives, and he's empowered us by giving us a new spirit inside of us to do that very thing. You know, there was a time that that we couldn't live those lives. Paul Paul preached, he said, you know, I wanted to do the right things. I agreed with the word of God, but sin inside me caused me to, to do things contrary to the word of God. And there was a time when we were living in that same boat. Even if you wanted to to do the right thing, there was nothing you could do because you were broken on the inside. You were living from what you knew, what you had. And even if you wanted to do the right thing, you couldn't, at least not for any length of time. And if you've noticed in this world, there's many jobs that have the require uniforms. I mean, how do we know a police officer on the street because they're wearing the uniform of a police officer? How do we know baseball players when they're on the field versus the umpires or versus the, the people that are rolling, out the, are rolling off the tarp because of the uniforms that they wear. And the same thing is that we should know Christians by the uniform that they wear, that they have put on the new self. And it's not physical clothing, it's not, but it's, it's based on what they do. When we put on the new selves, you'll see that, that our actions are changed because we're living from the newness inside of us instead of living from the old man that we used to be. You know, you've probably anybody ever heard the expression dress for success? It's the same thing in Christianity, put on the new self, dress for success. And we do that by by living out the change that's inside of us. We're going to start in Ephesians 4 chapter 17 through 18 and there's a there's a couple different uh, times that Paul talks about putting on the new self and we're going to look at both of those today. One is when he writes to the to the church in Ephesus and the other is when he writes to the to the church in Colossae, I think. The Colossians is who he's writing to. And in uh, Ephesians 4:17 through 19, he says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. You know the, the interesting thing that I see in this the first thing that stands out to me as I really says now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do does anybody know who he's writing to he's writing to the Ephesian church you know who the Ephesian church were they were Gentiles I'm like okay so he's writing to the Gentiles but saying don't walk like the Gentiles but, but wait I is a Gentile Paul is already recognizing that they are are different. They're not just Gentiles anymore. They are ethnically Gentiles, but Paul contrasts them with the Gentiles that are walking around in in Ephesus at the time. You know, Peter speaks in a similar manner when he's talking to the the Christian Jews that were scattered across the Roman Empire. They They were... pushed out and exiled out and he says this in 1st Peter 2 9 through 12 says but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light once you were not a people but now you are a people but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul, but keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. First, he says you you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You're a people of God. He's recognizing that at one point there were nothing, but now there's something else. And at this point, now he says that you are sojourners and exiles. And the same goes for these Gentiles here. They were not a people, but now they are a people. Now they are not part of just who they were, but they are something different. They are born into the kingdom of God. Jesus says this about his disciples in John 15, 18 through 19. He says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are what? You're not of this world. But I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. When you get saved, you are no longer a citizen of this earth, but you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. You know, before they were Gentiles, but now they're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. They're Christians. So he says, don't walk like the Gentiles do. Because those who are lost, these Gentiles, they walk in the futility of their minds. They have futile minds. Their wisdom is comprised of the wisdom of this world. They try to understand the world around them with science and intellectualism, but all the while they're never able to fully comprehend it because they refuse to acknowledge the one who created it. Then it says that they are darkened in their understanding and they're alienated from the life of God. They're ignorant of God's love and, and God's purpose for their lives because they have hardened their hearts to Him. And, and Paul's saying, hey, that's not who you are. Don't walk with hardened hearts. Don't walk ignorant of the purpose of God for your life. Don't walk ignorant of His love. And then it goes on to say that, that they have become callous. You guys know what callouses are? You get them on your, on your hands if you're a working man. Not if you're in the IT field like me, but I got, I got calluses on my fingertips because I play the guitar, where the skin toughens up, and basically, the, the calluses on my fingers from playing guitar, my skin toughens up, and I can ignore the pain from pressing on the strings. I can ignore that pressure. And he says that they've become callous, and I see it as they've become callous in two ways. One, they become callous to God. And because of that that hardness, that callousness, they've been, they're have been they able to completely ignore God trying to minister unto their life when the Holy Spirit tries to testify to them. They completely ignore it. But you know what? They've also become callous to the sin and evil things of this world as well. The impure actions of this world no longer even have an effect on them. They can live in immorality. They can do all these terrible things and doesn't even bother them. they don't even feel anything on their conscience because they become so callous to those things you know I remember when I was when I was younger when I did something that I knew was wrong I felt that I knew it was wrong and you felt that your conscience weighing on you and you felt guilty but you found that as you did it more and more you just pressed that little voice away you became calloused to that and that's what the world is like right now and we see it so much in today's world where everything is okay and if you don't agree with them, you don't love them. But Paul says to us under the influence of the Holy Spirit that, hey, don't, don't walk like this any longer. That is another people that do those such things. But people that are, are from the kingdom of heaven, people that are in the citizenship of the kingdom of heaven, people that have been born again, you're not from this world, so you don't live like the people of this world. And he continues on in, in verse 20, Ephesians 4, verse 20 through 24, says, But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to to what? To put off your old self. I want you to know that this is a something that you have to to make an act of the will to do, you have to put off your old self. And it says, because that belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. We don't want any more of that. And he says to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. You know, this picture that I have is, is God has given us a brand new spirit, a brand new person inside of us. And it's, and it's like it's, a, it's this, this new outfit, this new set of clothing, and he walks up and he hands it to you. And you look at it and you're like, man, I have a brand new life. I have this brand new spirit. I have all this stuff. It's brand new. But if you take it and set it in the closet, it's not doing you any good. If you push it and hide it away and you go and pick up your old dirty clothes that you were wearing, you'll still live that out. We have to put that away and put on the new self. Begin to live out who we really are. He says here, but that is not the way you learn Christ. You know, it's interesting. He doesn't write, that's not the way you learned about Christ. That's the way you learn Christ. You you can learn about Christ and not get saved. You can know about Jesus and not get saved. There's no more proof of that than in the United States, because I don't think there's a single person who doesn't know who Jesus is. Definitely not. I don't think there's a single person in the United States who does not know who Jesus is. There might be other countries where people are living out in tribes and stuff they may not know. But we know here. But you know what? There's lots of people that aren't saved. They know about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. He says, but you, that is not the way you learn Christ. That is not the way you come to know Christ. This is more than knowing about him, but it's a relationship. Like I said, they didn't just know about him, they knew him. And then he goes on to say, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, which is funny because if he says, I'm assuming that, you know, I'm assuming that because in in Ephesians 1.13-14, he says this, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you know, the, the gospel that I preached to you, he says, and I don't know if he's, if he's being funny or what, but he's assuming that you have heard about him and know the truth. I know he knows he has because he's the one that preached it to him. He says, when you heard the word of truth, and this is Ephesians 1, 13 14, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who was the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. He's like, yeah, you heard about him, you know the truth. You met him, you developed a relationship with him. And he says, if that's the case, then put off your old self. And get rid of it, it's, it's dead and gone. You see, when we hear the truth of the gospel, something changes inside of us. When we, when we first believe, we hear it and we believe, there's a miracle that takes place inside of you. The old spirit is removed from you and a new spirit is put in you. And it's not just an intellectual decision to live a better life. That's not what happens when you get saved. You're not just more committed than you used to be because you know Jesus, but something changes fundamentally inside of you. What was broken is now repaired. We are fundamentally and supernaturally changed on the inside when you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So when that happens, we need to put out the old man and put on the new. You know, we're completely made free. It's like, it's like somebody being in prison, and they've been in a cell their whole life. And you walk up, and you, you put in a key, and you open the door, and you unlock, and you pull it open. And you walk away, and you come back two hours later, expecting to find the cell empty because they're free, but instead they're just sitting inside there. Or it's like a dog, when you put a dog collar on them with those invisible fences, once they get zapped enough times, you can take down the invisible fence and they'll never leave that perimeter, even though that they are free. They're free, but they don't know. They they, they just stay where they were. I was reading a story about a man who for 11 years, he didn't have a citizenship. He was, uh, I believe he was an exile from Iraq, and he got on an airplane, and he got out of there, and he was given Turkish, um, uh, some sort of Turkish citizen papers to get him out of the country and be able to fly away from where he was. And they got stolen. So he's stuck in the Paris airport, and he tries to fly to England, and they wouldn't let him, they wouldn't let him uh, into England because he didn't have any papers. And then they flew him back to Paris, and they tried to, to fly him. He tried to get out of the airport, but they would never let him leave because he didn't have any papers. He wasn't a legally documented citizen of anywhere. He was there for 11 years in the airport. He lived in the airport. He actually stayed and cleaned up in the bathrooms. He survived off of receiving um, money from people as they came through. He washed up in the bathrooms for 11 years. And everybody knew him, so they tried to help out. They knew his situation. So after 11 years, the the French government finally said, you know what, we're going to make you a citizen. And they gave him all the paperwork and they gave him everything. And they they handed it to him and he said that he's that says he took it with a grin on his face, he stuck it in his pocket, and he never left the airport. Because he was more comfortable with what he had. He was more comfortable staying there. He'd been there for eleven years. He didn't know where to go, he didn't know what to do, he was more comfortable staying in that airport. And praise God, it says it says that they weren't gonna kick him out, but they were gonna have to find a way to encourage him to leave. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, but that's what happens when we get saved. We're given a brand new life, but we're, we're stuck. We don't want to leave the cell. We don't want to leave the airport because that's what we're used to. Mm-hmm. He says that we get rid of our old self, which belongs, we put off our old self, which belonged to the former manner of life and is corrupt deceitful desires. And he says to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. See, that's how you put on the new self, is you have to have your mind renewed. You know, when you're, when you're saved, when you're born again, your, your spirit is renewed right at that moment, but next you have to wait on your, your soul to catch up, your mind, your will and emotions. It says that we have to, to have our minds renewed. And does anybody remember what it says in Romans 12, too, how we do that? It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, and what is acceptable and and perfect. We need to be transformed into this new self, living out the new self by the renewal of our mind. And the only way you can do that is to actually spend time in words, spend time studying, begin to learn who you really are in Christ. If you never crack open your Bible, you'll never learn who you are in, in Christ. But when you spend time in teaching, hearing the Word of God, you begin to see who you are and your, your mind begins to be renewed as you learn who you are. And then when, as your mind is renewed, you begin to put on that new self. You realize who you really are and you, you can finally live out who you are instead of living out something else. You've been made brand new, but if you're still living like you used to live, you're, you're being an imposter. But we need to live from our new self, from, from the innermost being that has been made brand new, Because that new self is clean, that new self is pure, that new self is holy. And that new self wouldn't do the things that your old self used to do. So what does that look like? In Ephesians 4.25-27 it says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin, and do not let the sun go down in your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. First off, if you have on your new self... You're not going to be lying. You're going to be honest. And you're not going to be living in anger that leads to sin. He says, therefore, basically, since you've put on the new self, this is what it looks like. We behave like this. You know, when you see a police officer in uniform walk in the streets, how many know that you'd be a little bit remiss if you saw him selling drugs? Like, wait a minute. He's doing something he's not supposed to. Or could you imagine seeing... You know, a man in, in, in full football uniform, the pads and everything, doing ballet. It just wouldn't be right. It's not matching up with who he is, right? In the same manner, when we put on the new self, when we're, when we're made brand new, that it is totally out of character to, to act in an impure and unholy manner. Totally out of character. Just as odd as it would be seeing the football player doing ballet. So he says, put away falsehood, speak the truth, because that's the character of one who's been changed on the inside. Did you know that our, our, we can only live in safety that because our, our body is sending signals to our brain, so we know if we feel something, we know if it's hot, we know if it's cold, we know if something hurts or it doesn't, because when it hurts, we know to get, get away from there. And did you know that if your senses in your body begin to start firing the wrong thing, if you were to touch something that was boiling hot and your body sent a signal to your brain that says, oh, that's not hot, it's just cool, then you, would, you, would com- you wouldn't live very long after that. If your body began to lie to itself, matter of fact, I imagine there's, there's probably medical conditions where that very thing happens. And people get hurt all the time. If you couldn't feel pain, if your body never told you the right thing, then you would, you, would, you would die so quickly because you would never know if you were hurting yourself. And the same thing goes on, and the, the same thing is true in the body of Christ. When we lie to one another, we can destroy the body of Christ. So we need to be to be putting away all false, falsehood, but speak to each other in truth. And then it says, be angry and do not sin. See, this is a tough one. you know you can be angry and not sin? Jesus did it. You know, so, <laughs> I heard it once said you know, the, to, the, to the question, what would Jesus do? So apparently get angry and flip over tables is a, is a valid option. <laughs> but Jesus was angry because his father's house was being made a robber's den. But it, he didn't sin. We know he didn't because he lived a sinless life. And you can be angry and not sin. I just want you to know that's a a fine line to walk, though. That's a dangerous line to walk. I remember, and I don't remember the details anymore, because I think I probably blocked him out and made me so angry, but I, I was reading this story of a of a guy who, and I can't remember if he made his, his child stay on... On uh, to stand up with his arms out or something, a little toddler. And uh, every time he'd put his arm down, so he would punch him in the stomach. And, and uh, when he had to go to the bathroom, he wouldn't let him go to the bathroom, so he defecated all over himself. And eventually, this kid was made to stand there so long, the kid died. And, and I don't know I don't if that was the exact details, but it was something like that. And I remember reading it and just being so angry in my spirit that somebody would do that. I believe that's a righteous anger when you see, when you see stuff like that. But it's also very easy to get angry at somebody and let it develop into bitterness. So easy. And bitterness will destroy. You. It's so easy to get offended at somebody and let it develop into something that is only hurting yourself and not them. Most of the time when you're angry at somebody, they don't even know. You're not affecting them one bit by staying angry and bitter. I remember when Michelle and I were quitting smoking, and this was many, many years ago, and uh, and we both had similar situations where we got in a fight or something and got angry at each other and we had this like, well, I'll show them I'm going to have a cigarette. Like how, we got angry and wanted to, like how is that going to affect the other person? That, that's anger leading to sin, right? That's anger <laughs> leading to something else. You know, it's, uh, dealing with anger is so important because it even says here, don't let the the sun go down on your anger. Deal with it. Get it out in the open. Talk about it. Because when we don't, bitterness can ensue. We can do, you know, crimes of passion are usually happening because of uncontrolled anger. People do things that lead to sin because they're angry and your judgment is clouded. Or bitterness starts to develop in your heart and you have this negative attitude that is definitely ungodly and unbiblical because you let anger control your life. But he says, don't let the sun go down in your anger. What he's saying is, deal with it quickly. And why does he say that? Because if you don't, you're going to give an opportunity to the devil to get into your life to, make, to start fooling with stuff and messing stuff up. Ephesians 4.28 4:28. Ephesians 4.28-32 says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as, fit, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whom you were sealed up for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgives you." It says, let the thief no longer steal. How I many you know that, that stealing, being a thief, is a quality of the enemy? In John 10.10 it says, the thief comes only to steal, to kill and destroy. The thief comes to steal. The enemy comes to steal. That's one of his qualities. Not the quality of a man or woman of God. He says, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands. Which would be good, right? Stop stealing and start working. But he goes on to say this, which I find amazing. He says, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. He says, you know what? Let the thief stop stealing. But not only that, stop stealing, start earning, and then start giving stuff away. Share. That's the quality of a person walking in the newness of self. Putting on the new self. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion. You know what? Tearing people down, telling them they're not good enough, telling them that they'll never succeed, even when we do it not on purpose, that's never, it, it tears people down. You know, I've, I've heard stories of new Christians that they just get saved. And they're like, let's do this. We're like, let's believe for someone to come back from the dead. Let's, let's believe for, for miracles and healing. And, and, you know, supposedly mature Christians are like, well, I'm a realist. Or, you know, that's, that's, that's destroying people's faith. But say stuff that's going to build them up, encourage them in their faith. Don't talk about people behind their back. Don't slander them. Don't be a gossip. That stuff will destroy relationships. It'll destroy churches. It'll destroy your workplace. It'll destroy your families. He says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and malice be put away from you. And then he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You know, we grieve the Holy Spirit when we reject what he says. In Romans eight sixteen through 17, it says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer them in order that we may also be glorified with him. It says that he testifies with our spirit that we're children of God and heirs of the kingdom of heaven. And when we live from our old self, we're basically saying, Yeah, Holy Spirit, I know that's who you say I am, but that's not who I'm going to be. And I'm going to live something else. And you grieve the Holy Spirit when when you basically reject what he says. In John 16, 8-11, it says, When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father. That's what it deals with us. The the Holy Spirit is convicting the world, convicting us concerning righteousness because he went to the Father. Basically, the Holy Spirit is saying, it is done, it is finished. Jesus went to the Father, I came. Therefore, it's been paid for, it's been done. You have been given a new life. You've been made pure, clean, holy. You've been freed from the bondage of sin. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I know that, but I'm going to do this for a little while. That's when you, we grieve the Holy Spirit when He when He testifies to us, but we reject what He says. I found that in my life, that's pretty much the only time I sin. Is temptation will come my way, or I'll see something and, and I, I hear that still small voice saying, "Hey, you're free from this. You're done with this." And I'm like, "Yeah, I know. I'll be free in a minute." I, that's when I sin. It's because I've turned away from God. We grieve the Holy Spirit when He testifies us that you know that's not who you are, but we do it anyway. In John thirteen thirty four through thirty five, as we're dealing with this part here, be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. In John thirteen thirty four through thirty five, it says, "A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another." By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That should be our defining characteristic as Christian, is that we love one another. Because if we love one another, that will influence and color everything that we do. You know, you would, you would never do something to, to hurt your children. You would never do anything intentionally to slander them, to put them down, to cause them to be unsuccessful, because you love them. And that should be how we treat everybody in that same manner. And then in Colossians, we find that Paul has the same thing to say to them, to the Colossian church. <clears throat> he says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek things the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above and not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. You see, when we get saved, our focus needs to be put on things above. Our focus, our our eyes should always be placed up. Our goals should revolve around his kingdom and his church and not the things that are here. When I got saved, the things that mattered to me before no longer did. There was something else that was more important in my life. You see, before I got saved, everything I did in my life revolved around me. Even the things that looked like they were for somebody else revolved around me. I wanted to be a good father because I would look good if I was a good father. I wanted to be a good husband because I could brag about being a good husband. I could brag about being a good... You know, everything that I did, even when it looked like it was good for somebody else, was always about me. But then when I got saved, I I recognized that He gave everything for me, so all I wanted to do was give everything back to Him. And my focus was in pleasing Him. My focus was in serving Him. It colored all of my actions. And it did happen overnight. This This is a process of putting on the new self, right? But as I began to grow in Him, I began to want to serve Him more and put Him first. It colored everything that I did. And what I found that was interesting is that before, when I wanted to be the good worker, the husband, the dad, all these things, it was because... It was, it was a pride thing. It was all about me. But now as I serve Him, i found that, that I've become a good father, that I've become a good worker, that I've become a good dad. And it's all to His glory. Just by following Him, I've become those things that I always wanted to be, but it's, it's to His credit and not to mine. You see, when Christ appears, we're going to see who we really are. It says, For we have died and our life is hidden with Christ in God and when Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. You know, there's a there's a day when, when Christ comes back and we're gonna see who we really are. We're finally going to look at him and, and see, because we will be just like him. In first John three two it says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. We'll see him as he is, and we'll be just like him. Perfect like Jesus is. And we're going to go, man, I was that the whole time. Why, did I, why was I living like this? I think we're going to be blown away going, oh, because we don't have to wait to live like Jesus until He comes back. That's who we are right now. We're just not going to recognize it fully until He comes back. But that's who we should be living like. It's like Jesus. We should look like Jesus now. Because that's who we really are on the inside. We just need to have our, our body and our mind and our soul and our emotions catch up with who we are on the inside. In Colossians 3, 5 through 10, it says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry, and on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you two once walked, but you were living in them. But now you must walk. Put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its Creator. You know, you never see Paul talk about putting off the old self without talking about putting off its practices as well. And we put on the new self with its new practices. He says, put all these immoral and evil and earthly things behind you. Put them to death. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. You know, when you put something to death, you no longer interact with it anymore. When something has died, it has no more influence on this earth. It has no more influence on this world. So when he says put it to death is, is get rid of it so it has no influence. When it's dead, it has no influence on you. It has no pull on you. It has no way to coerce you. If it's dead, it can't touch you. And he says all these things, put them to death. Why? Because on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. These are the, these sins, these evil things are the very reason that the, that the wrath of God is being stored up on for those who think they're getting away with it. You see, Jesus died to satisfy God's wrath for these things in us. I thank God that if you're saved, if you're born again, then you no longer have the wrath of God coming your way because it was tied up in Jesus. It was paid for. You're not going to have to pay for something that was already paid for. But for crying out loud, if it's already been paid for, if it's already been dealt with, and these are the very things why Jesus had to die quit doing them. Let's stop. We've been freed from these things. We have put off the old self and all of its practices. We've been born again. The old man was dead and buried with Jesus Christ. It says we've been crucified with him. The old man is dead, so let him go and let all his practices go with him. Quit trying to hold on like that man in the airport, trying to hold on to what he knew because it was more comfortable. You see, living from our new self and putting it on regularly, though, is not like a light switch. It's a decision that we have to make. For many people, I've known many people that get saved and everything they used to have a hold of, them. I mean, they stop drinking. I mean, everything just falls away. And I wish it was like that for everybody. And some people it is. God touches them in a way that everything falls away. It wasn't like that for me. I lived 20 years on the start line doing all kinds of stupid, even though I I was saved probably most of the time. But it wasn't like a light switch for me. I had to grow in knowledge of Him. I had to grow in in knowledge of who I was. I finally got to some great books written by godly men who began to explain the Word and say that, hey, this is not who you are anymore. I was being renewed in, in knowledge of who I was in Christ. I was renewed in who Christ was. I was learning who He was. My mind was being renewed. And it was a process. But the key is to keep moving forward and never backwards. To keep growing. If you're not growing, you got a problem. I remember thinking of my sins as a young Christian and thinking, man, if I could just stop doing this, this, and this, then I'll finally be good. I'm like, these are the the big sins in my life. I see them, I know they're wrong. Once I get victory over these, man, I'll be just sitting pretty. And then I finally, I got victory over those. And you know what I found? That hiding behind those, a little bit smaller, but I couldn't see them because there was a whole, I'm like, oh man, now there's a bunch more. And then I would, I would get victory over those as I grew in the knowledge of who I was in Christ. I recognized that I was free from those things and I would get victory over them and then, wouldn't you know, right behind them, well, it's a process. It's growing. You're going to grow as you, you know, there's, there's stuff that we have to deal with right away, but you begin to learn. And, and as you go more and more, like the little things, you're like, man, anger and impatience and, and all those, those offense, those little things that, you know, the big things when I was, you know, doing the stealing and, and, and all those big sins, you know, the, 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 the Ten Commandment type stuff. But then you realize there's more and more behind that. And as you're working towards holiness, as you are putting on the new self daily, and, and that old man is dead and gone as you grow into who you are. We find out that <clears throat> we're putting on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, like I just told about. Renewed. Being renewed. It doesn't say that when you're born, you're, automatically you have been renewed in knowledge. When it's talking about your mind, it's not. But we are being renewed in knowledge as we grow. After the image of our Creator, we are, being, we are growing into the image of Jesus Christ. To the measure and stature that is Jesus Christ, that's what we're growing up to. Because when we're made born again spiritually on the inside, we are right there with Christ. But our, our physical self, sometimes our body has to catch up with who we really are on the inside. And we become renewed in knowledge by spending time in the Word, by spending time with other believers, learning about what the Bible has to say to you, learning about what God has to say to you. We grow into that. And 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexual immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the gritty, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. I want you to know that it's true that the unrighteous do not inherit the kingdom. That's true. But our righteousness is is not based on these things. We'll deal with these in a minute. But I want to to make very clear that your righteousness is based on faith in Jesus Christ. In Romans 3.21-22 it says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Our righteousness is, is based on our faith in Jesus Christ and His finished work. So what is Paul talking about here then? He lets off this laundry list of terrible things. And he says that the people that do these things don't inherit the kingdom of heaven. These are, these are people that are living in their old self. These are unrighteous people who do these things. But the key phrase, the key point to this is he says, and such what were some of you. He says, but you've been washed, you've been sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. He wasn't saying that, that if any of you mess up and do these things, you've, bang, lost your salvation and you're going to hell. And he wasn't saying, because obviously there was a problem going on. How many know that people in the Corinthian church were doing these kind of things? Matter of fact, we see, and I don't remember if it's uh, 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, where he talks about that men were taking their father's wives, and they were, they were doing all kinds of crazy But Paul's not saying that if you did did these things, you're you're just out of luck, off to hell with you. What he's saying is that, hey, this is who you were, such were some of you, but now you've been washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. That's who you were, not who you are now, so quit acting like who you were and start acting like who you are now because you've been made clean. Live that out. You know the same can go for any of us when we're doing when, when that old man tries to creep back in our lives. It's good to remember that's who we were. Let's stop acting like who we were and start living like who we are now in Christ Jesus. In Colossians 3:11 through 13, he says, "Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all." Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord is forgiving you, so you also must forgive. You see, everyone is the same in this regard. When you're made brand new, we are all made brand new the same way. Some of us aren't more holy than others. Some of us aren't more spiritual than others. The same God that lives inside of me, the same Jesus that lives inside of me, lives inside of you. And you are just equally holy, pure, righteous as me, and as anybody in this room that has accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It doesn't matter who you are, your background, nothing. Greek, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, scathian, slave, free, it doesn't matter. We're all made brand new the same way. So he said, if that's the case, then go ahead and put it on. Put on, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts, put on kindness, put on humility, meekness, and patience. Let's live like Christians. If you're brand new, which you are, if you're saved, put these qualities on. You can say, but these, these qualities aren't, I'm not a meek person, Pastor Wayne. I'm not a kind person. These, these, aren't, these aren't qualities of mine. That may be true of your old self, but when you were made brand new, these qualities are now yours because they're the qualities of Jesus Christ. And he lives inside of you. Paul said, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives inside of me. Therefore, you have the qualities of Christ. Put them on and live them. And then, the big important one is that we need to forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. I think when we do not forgive people, what's actually happening is is we've, we've forgotten what we've already been forgiven of. Do you remember Jesus told the story, the parable, it's in Matthew 18, 23-35, but the parable of the, of the man who was forgiving a great debt from the king or from his master. And then he went back to one of his slaves after he was, he was forgiven this great debt and required a small sum from his slave and he was going to kill him because he wouldn't give it. And the, the, the king heard about this and he's like, don't you realize what I've just forgiven you and you're going to hold them to that? Like, do you not understand what just happened? And the same is for us. I think when we don't forgive somebody for something, it's because we've somehow forgotten what we've already been forgiven of. We have been forgiven for every grievous act we've ever committed in our lives. And in some ways, to not forgive somebody else is to reject the forgiveness that's already been given to us. In Colossians 3:14 through17 it says, "And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body. Be thankful. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. You know, if we operate in love, we will be living from our new self. If love colors everything that we do, then we are living from the new self. Romans 13.10 says, Love does no wrong to a neighbor, Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. You know, the to live a holy life, God gave the law. These are the requirements. And you know what fulfills that? Is if we live out of love. Now, thank God when we're talking about justification before God, then it's our faith in Jesus. But when we live out of love, we are doing the right things. We are living a holy life. And it's because of the change inside of us that we're actually even able to do so. Instead of living from the old man, we can live from the new man in love. And when we operate in love, we are living from that new self. Because when you love somebody, you're not going to to lie to them. When you love somebody, you're not going to have to slander them or have malice towards them or be bitter towards them or, or refuse to forgive them because you love them. And then he goes on to say, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. I never caught this before. But you know you have to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. It's available to you. It's always there. But you can keep it out. You know when you let anger and bitterness rule in your heart, there's no room for the peace of Christ in there. You're not letting it come into your heart because you're letting all these other things in. And then he says... Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. But to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly is to let the word come into you, to spend time in it, to read it, but not to just be a hearer of the word, but to be a doer. That's how it dwells in you richly. It comes in and it comes out. You hear it and you do it. And then finally, it says that whatever we do in word or deed, that we should do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Everything we do should be done for His glory. Everything that we do should bring glory and honor to His name. When we're at work and we're doing a great job, they should know that, I mean, being a Christian should be like an automatic you get hired. Because if you're you're living from your new self, if you're doing the right thing, and Christ is living in you, you're going to be an excellent worker. You're going to be respectful, you're going to be a hard worker, because you'll be doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, that's not the case for every Christian, but man, it should be, because that's who we should be living. We should make the best friends anybody's ever had. We should make the best spouses that anybody's ever had. We should make the best family members that anybody's ever had. Because we do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we do everything operating in love and doing everything for His name and for His glory, then we can be sure that we are living from the new self, that we've put on the new self and put off the old. See, in Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. You know, it's no longer you who live, but it's Christ. Let Him live through you. And one of my favorite memory verses that everyone should have memories, memories, memorize, this close. 2 Corinthians 5.17, the one you should have memorized, is therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Put off your old self, because it has passed away, it's done. Get it out of there. Quit trying to let it come back in your life. But put on the new self, because behold, you are a brand new creation in Christ. Your old self is gone. It's no longer him, but Christ who lives inside of you. And it's Christ who lives through. You've been remade. You've been made brand new again. So let's, let's make the commitment to, to get up in the morning and push off the old man and put on the new self every single morning. Let's walk in love. Let's walk putting Christ first in all that we do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet.